Tall Tales and True is produced on Yagara and Turrbal land, and I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. What do you know about BDSM? If the answer is not a whole lot, well, strap in. I'm Tilly Lawless, and this is Tall Tales and True, the podcast that brings you the best of live storytelling from around the country. I'm an author, I'm an advocate, and I'm a sex worker. And I've always been really passionate about breaking down some of the stigmas that we face. So I was excited to curate this whole season of stories told by current and former sex workers. Some of them are stories from the job, some are stories about everyday life, and some, like the one I'm about to bring you, will take you back to where it all began. Leah Potter's foray into sex work began as a favour and a chance to make some extra cash. And being a dominatrix seemed a lot more appealing than following the path laid out with her computer science studies. Leah told this story on Larrakia land at a live Spun Stories event in Darwin. Also a heads up, as well as some explicit content, Leah talks about family violence and abuse. So look around for innocent ears and maybe sit this one out if you need to. While my focus is reducing humiliation for people these days, there was a time when it was actually a career of mine to actually humiliate people. And um, how someone ends up in a bondage dungeon is, um, <laughs> is a story in itself, but it wasn't a large, it wasn't a great leap for me. I, my father was a Vietnam veteran and he had extreme PTSD and my childhood was so violent and so terrifying that I ran away from home at the age of 13 and I lived most of my teenage years on the streets and in and out of youth refuges. I managed to get myself into university as a a mature age student, but it was always a struggle. It was a struggle for me to actually live anywhere but the fringes because of the um, start to my life. So when I was at university struggling on Oz study, two kids to support. My girlfriend was working at the Winelli Hotel as a topless barmaid and a man asked her if she would do a topless barmaid gig for his company's Christmas breakup. And she was a little bit scared because she was a tiny little thing. And so she came to me and I'd had no experience in this area and she said, would you just come to this party, dress up in a corset and a G-string and just whip all these guys (laughs) and put pegs on their nipples? They'll probably get their penises out. Don't be scared. And I was like, oh, um... And she said, it's going to be $600. And I went and spent my rent money on a corset and (laughs) and a pair of shoes. And I got down there... And this is actually a true story. My first job as a dominatrix was at a Christmas breakup party for a company called Dick's Pumping Service. (laughs) That's a true story. So off I went to Dick's Pumping Service in my corset. And um, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, 
It, everybody got naked. That was fun. Uh, except me. I stayed in all my clothing, if you can call a G-string in a corset clothing. And anyway, so I'm there and I was in my element, actually. I was just whipping all these guys. It was just a suede whip. And they were all just... I've got pegs on all the nipples. They'd get their doodles out and I'd put a peg on that too. I'm like, $600, this is okay. And so everyone's standing around naked with all these pegs all over them. And a new guy rocked up, a new guest turned up, and he had all his clothes on, and I'm like, Oi, come on, join the party. I've plonked him down in a chair, pulled his pants down, and I'm there and I'm making this beautiful fan out of his scrotum with pegs. And he was just smiling the whole time. And I got to the last peg and I stood up and he's gone, thanks for that, but I'm not actually a guest at this party. <laughs> he was the delivery driver that was dropping off the meat. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. He, didn't... he could have said, what are you up to down there? No, he just sat there smiling. <laughs> so we finished that party, but... The thing was, it was in the middle of an industrial estate and everyone was having such a riotous time that they all invited us to do their Christmas breakup parties and we got six more bookings. And I was like, I, I was studying computer programming at school, at uni, and I just didn't go back the next year. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's boring. <laughs> anyway, so at each of those breakup parties, we would get asked by at least two guys, just quietly, would you guys spanked me in a private booking and I thought what what do you even do with that and Emily had a little bit more experience than me we had we were living in this uh in the house above the Mayfair gallery in Harriet Place and we decked out this bondage dungeon underneath and there were two sex shops in Harriet Place so Emily went over there and she hired all the most hardcore bondage porn that she could get and she brought it back to our house and I just sat there for this bondage porn marathon <laughs> and my eyes were just getting wider and wider at the first glance of what people actually put inside what parts of their body. It was crazy but again the horror that I was seeing on the screen wasn't any worse than the horror that I'd seen in my own bedroom as a little girl, you know? It wasn't that bad to me, you know? And you know what? All those women on those videos had the hottest costumes, all this leather and latex and black and hair and fingernails. And we were gonna make so much money, so I thought, all right, I'll give it a crack. But I'd never done anything like this, okay? Uh, so we got, we roped in one of my friends, Ian, and we said, could we please practice some bondage on you? <laughs> he was like, yes! <laughs> I said, we might put something inside your bottom. And he said, um, yes, still. <laughs> so we made it a bit of a social function. I got into the corset. Emily was in this nurse's outfit and she made all these hors d'oeuvres, right? So we're there having, having a little drink. Got the, the practice slave down on hands and knees. He's in a suede G-string. He's got a couple of anal beads where they go. And all of a sudden, we heard this bang, 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 bang. And it was my psycho ex-boyfriend who 
actually the slave on the floor knew him, knew what a psycho he was. The boyfriend was a black belt karate instructor and Muay Thai kickboxing champion. So old mate on the floor, he's just decided he didn't want to die on the <laughs> with anal beads up his bottom. <laughs> so he's jumped up, grabbed his car keys off the shelf and he licked it out the front door onto the street, into his car, still in the G-string, <laughs> st still with my anal beads. He just <sighs> screamed off in his car Emily's on the phone to the cops because this isn't over for us. Psycho ex-boyfriend's coming through the back door. He's broken through the back door and grabbed me. I was down on the floor and he's choking me to death. Emily's there in these massive platform boots, kicking him in the head, trying to get him off. Cops rocked up, saved me from getting strangled on the floor of my own house. And uh, we then had to make statements. I couldn't make the statement because my throat was crushed. I'm there like, yes, he gave me the back door. So Emily's just there. She was the life of the party. She started handing out hors d'oeuvres to the cops <laughs> in her nurse's outfit. And they didn't even try to not laugh. The cops were pissing themselves. <laughs> Do you know what? That, that friend, he took off. I never saw him again. He was so terrified. He didn't even come back for his clothes or his shoes. I folded them up and I put them in the corner of the dungeon and I kept it there for about two years, never saw him again. <laughs> so after that, we did actually. I went and I registered my ABN and I went through the process of getting an actual escort agency licence and I ran a licensed uh, escort agency in Darwin called Princess Escorts. Then I met a boy who was a chef. We started a restaurant down at Cullen Bay and for eight years, we had a restaurant down there on the boardwalk in, in amongst all the millionaires. And uh, it was interesting because I was front of house, the hostess. And so I'd be there, I'd go to a table and the man would say, hey, I know you from somewhere. <laughs> Cullen Bay, of course you do, darling. <laughs> I'm actually dabbling in politics now and I'm moving in the same circles. <laughs> So I went on and over the years, the bondage dungeon sort of just got delegated to funny stories that I tell at dinner parties. And people often say to me, wow, weren't you scared, you know? Well, the funny thing was that the most danger I was in was actually after I got my escort agency licence and then had to actually comply with licensing conditions, which actually didn't keep me or my girls safe. So that was interesting, but you know, the reality, and that's for all of us, is that in my life, the most danger that I was ever at was at the hands of men who said they loved me, starting with my father. And for all of us, the most danger that we're in isn't on the floor of a bondage dungeon. If we're to be murdered, <laughs> we're most likely to be murdered in our own homes and by someone who loves us. And that's a pretty sad fact. But thank you for listening to my story. Can you believe that was Leah Potter's first time on a stage? She's a natural storyteller. If her story had some triggers for you, remember Lifeline is available for 24-7 crisis counselling. The number is 13 11 14. Leah first told that story for Spun Stories, 
a live storytelling podcast created in Darwin. For more stories like this, go to spunstories.net. If you're ready for more great stories, I've got another episode right under this one in your podcast feed. When one of your jobs is to battle stigma as a public representative of Australia's sex workers, how do you keep that a secret from your stepkid? Next time, Garlevanting finds her feet as a stepmother. Because I am a sex worker, and she is a child, and because no matter how hard I work on my own internalised horphobia, I can never fully purge my subconscious of the message that these things don't go together. You can hear that by searching for Tall Tales and True on the ABC Listen app. Hi, journalist Matthew Condon. If you're looking for another great ABC podcast to wrap your ears around, try the podcast I host. It's called Sirens Are Coming. In this season of Dig, I'm bringing you never-before-heard tape of the Sunshine State's most crooked cops and the courageous sex workers who dared to take them on. Yeah, the next thing I turned around and he was there. And Glenn arrived. He said to me, you don't seem yourself today are you not well I said as, as a, I said as a matter of fact I said I haven't been well all night I said I've had a bad headache mm. and I was a bit stuttery and mm. I do get a bit stuttery when I you know when I get um, uh, nervous so he not asked me that once he asked me that twice he said I think I should drive you home today and I said no 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 not at all Dorothy handed Hallahan the money and when he walked off the undercovers swooped. But I wanted to turn around. I wanted to see what was going on with him. It was chaos. I'd given my right arm to know what was said. Mm. And the look on his face would have been amazing, wouldn't it? Sirens are coming. You can hear it on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.